Okay, hey guys, welcome back to the Natty Scene. I've forgotten what episode we are. I don't actually know. So we're just going to roll with a guest at episode eight or nine. But we are joined this week by another guest. George is, again, absent. Today he's getting his hair cut. But I must admit, it is kind of my fault because I was organizing this podcast with Chris and, or Keefe, some of you may know him. And... We scheduled a time, I bailed on the time, and then I rescheduled the time, and this isn't a normal time, I guess, for me and George to record, but it worked for, for me and Keefe, so uh, we'll, we'll rock and roll with it. So, as you can tell, we're joined by, by Chris, by Chris, by Keefe. <laughs> Chris has uh, obviously been a part of Team MBM in the past. Chris has been a very, very successful junior bodybuilder, and arguably... One of the strongest people I know, hands down, like natural and assisted, which is fucking mental. Um, so I'm I'm very, very excited to obviously have a little bit of a chat with him. I know you guys as well have got some pretty cool questions, some questions that probably have been asked about a million times. Um, but we'll still ask them again, get the same answer most likely. Um, but nevertheless, so let's start the podcast, obviously, as we, we, we always do. I mean, I think a lot of people know you, mate. Um, a lot of people know what you, what you are, what you do, but uh, just give anyone that perhaps doesn't know who you are a little bit of uh, an introduction to to Keefe, um and tell them what you're all about. Yeah, so um, obviously I'm Keefe, I'm Chris, whatever you want to call me. Um, I'm 21, I'm a junior bodybuilder, I compete within like the BNBF and that, and at the same time, I no longer do it, but I used to be a professional wrestler, so I've done that for around it would be about four and a half, five years. Um, I've competed, oh, this will be going on to my fourth season, I believe. So three years, obviously, I've competed for. Um, again, all natural federation, my first show that I actually done was a NABA show. But following on from that, it's all been kind of within like the natural federations over the UK. Um, I have been out to the world twice as both a teen and a junior. So... Obviously, they were like two of the best experiences ever, but that is really it. I used to be a professional wrestler. Capped that off last year, or it would have been the back end of 2019, just basically to kind of let me set more of my time down towards like my bodybuilding goals and things like that. So, yeah, that's really it. Sure. And that makes sense. And I think uh, you've also underselled yourself in the gym department. Obviously, you know, in an introduction, you probably don't want to tell people your lifts, but. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you just took one look at Heafy's profile on Instagram, you'd be pretty blown away by pretty much every single lift that he does, and also make you feel pretty shit about your own lifts. <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's mental, mate. I'm always blown away by by everything you're doing, um, which is fantastic, and it and it shows. You. you know, it shows me at such a young age to have the amount of muscle you have and. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just it's just exactly what i like to see it's like the proof is in the pudding. yeah um that's benji sorry by the way <laughs> so annoying. downstairs so i'm hope i'm hoping he stays oh, right. <laughs> so uh keefe's got a little dog you can again if you want to follow keefe's dog you can uh you'll follow keefe on instagram and you'll see him take him <laughs> take him out pretty frequently for for his steps um so we will pause the podcast for a little bit. Chris is back. All right. So, um, what, what I wanted to um, what I wanted to go into next is sort of a little bit of uh, a background on how you got into the sport. So, obviously, cool. you were you know you were wrestling, you were competitive in that. Um, but what sort of got you got you hooked into bodybuilding, mate? It was a case of just like I started training to obviously I started training to begin like to become more fitter and stronger for the wrestling and things. And then it was a case of, obviously, as I've seen more and more results, I wasn't wanting to compete because, obviously, I never ever thought that I would be able to be competitive in that kind of way. Sure. So it got to a point, I believe it was in 2016, and I thought I'll give myself, I think I was, I was 17 at the time, and I was like, right, I'll give myself another year. Or, it, it, in fact, that might have been a lie. It might have been 2015. It came to a point where I was like, I'm going to give myself another year. And then it came to that year and I was like, no, I'm going to give myself another year. So then that let me still fall in the teen class. Mm -hmm. And then I competed as a teen at 19. 
Yeah. So it was one year in the teen class, and then from there it was like right. Once I got through to the Britain, and then through to the Worlds again. So it was like from when I got home from the Worlds, it was like I'm definitely going back in for this. Like it was just kind of something that clicked throughout that season. Obviously, again learning loads of stuff about myself as well, and watching like my training progress. Obviously, throughout my off season. As in, like the off season beforehand. So even seeing things change there was just like I don't know, something just kind of clicked, and and that was it. And it's like now I just it seems to just be a huge. Obviously, like it's the it's the kind of what you would say is like lifestyle kind of thing at the end of the day. Like it's it's just there now. It doesn't feel like it'll never feel like a chore or anything like that. If you get me, like training wise, food wise, eating whatever. Obviously, contest preps are like a whole lot different, but. It's just it's just a, a thing that's now there, if you get me. Sure, sure, absolutely. So did you, when you were younger, did you go to a show? Like, did you go and watch a show and, and before you competed or what, when you competed, was that the first show you'd ever been to? Surprisingly, I'd done the, the Scottish BMBF sure. as my, it would have been, it fell, I believe it was either the week before or the week after the NABA. Mm-hmm. And it was like my first ever show, and because it was at like the very start of the season that I was going to compete in, I was like, the year before I never went to see any bodybuilding shows. Obviously, like I watched lots of stuff online and things on YouTube and that, but there was there was nothing that you know I went to see because again, like it was at the very start of the season, so they were like within the first two or three shows. Obviously, both between like non-assisted shows and assisted shows and that so like it was at the very start of the season so I just kind of went in with it and obviously went with the flow and tried to see what I could do and if I could be competitive in that so it was sure it was good. yeah absolutely I think you know for a lot of people when they're getting into the sport the show they're competing is their first show um yeah yeah for me for me it was my first show because when I when I originally got into bodybuilding, all, all I really knew about was that there were natural federations, but yeah. I didn't I didn't know what the standard was like. I'd never really seen a natural bodybuilder in the flesh. Uh-huh. And I'm sure for you, like as well, obviously I, I I know what your future goals are from listening to you talk on other podcasts and things like that and having chats with you. But um but in terms of when you first went to to a natural show were you were you like oh, okay i'm 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 now definitely game for doing a lot more natural bodybuilding than maybe i thought i would at the start because yeah that's kind of how i got into it as well definitely definitely and like see where like where i'm from right now like obviously my kind of what you would class as like kind of environment there's not any um I'm, i don't know how to explain it like there's not really any Say, for instance, like natural bodybuilders that like are competitive, maybe say year year on year off kind of thing, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, that basically like there's been a couple of people that I've been able to talk to in that, but at the same time, like if I went further down, say even to like your kind of bigger gyms and stuff like that, where there would be more kind of people in the their competitive phase and things like that, so I'd be able to learn a little bit more, but. I guess just going through all of that from doing the first natural show, it just kind of, it was like from there that I never ever, obviously one of my first shows was the NABA. I never ever done basically any more kind of shows like that. It was mainly just the the BNBA federations and that. So it was like the natural federations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And when it comes to um, your like your off seasons when you were when you were younger when you were taking those those years off before you competed at uh-huh, nineteen uh-huh. were they very similar to what you're doing now were they sort of pretty much I would say probably the year leading up to my first show um because it would have been I think I would have been training maybe three years I would have been training three years before I competed first yep. so it was a case of like the first maybe like one two years. I was just basically eating whatever I wanted to eat kind of thing. I knew like nothing about nutrition. I basically knew nothing until I started prepping. And then that was kind of when it was like, right, I need to start like 
becoming a little bit more knowledgeable, knowing about things, knowing about like knowing a lot more about nutrition basically, along with like obviously my training as well, because I was still learning loads of new things. But the first like I was eating a lot, but at the same time I was still trying to lift as heavy as possible and things like that. So that's how I believe that even in like my teen years I was still able to come in with like not as much density as now, but like a little bit because I was still trying to do like as much as possible kind of thing and like when I was training then like nothing's changed to when I'm training now like there's no different gyms or anything like that everything's literally just the exact same everything's in the same place everything's just so I guess that's kind of what what you could say is like it's the same as right now so yeah for sure I think that's a nice sort of tangent a little bit into into your training because I think a lot of people are interested in in the way you train and how you put together splits and things like that because it is a little you know controversial and different the way you do things especially with regards to rest um and like days off so since obviously you know when you sort of initially got into training you would have understood that you could do a certain amount of of sessions and still be productive and you still progress and things like that has it always been the way for you that you have perhaps a better recovery capacity than than a lot of people that you talk to and that you, you know basically converse amongst in the natural scene because like i find a lot of people especially as they get you know to your level of strength or even lower than your level of strength you know, most people fucking are and that you know the the training frequency has to come down because they have rest to be able to progress more so how, how do you think you've been able to basically train with the frequency you do and get as strong as you are? Uh, like, outside of obviously competing, I think it's been down to like all the the eating and things like that. So obviously my eating's like, I've never ever had a problem eating. Sure. So I've never, I've never felt as if like I've had, I've, obviously I've went through a few days where maybe my appetite's been shit, but I've never went through like a phase. Obviously touch wood, it doesn't happen, but I've never went through like a full phase where oh, I've got no appetite so I can't eat. So my food's always been like really high. I do always kind of, throughout contest prep, a little bit different. Sometimes my sleep can become very shitty. Like even you'll know that. But yeah, throughout like my off season, it's like, it's as if I sleep like a baby. So like I'm getting a lot, like a very lot of sleep. And even at that, throughout the day, like say for instance, I've got like maybe... I don't know, like two hours in the day, I'll even, you know, I'll take naps and things like that just to make sure that I'm still getting, obviously, like a decent bit of rest and I need throughout the day. And it's the exact same, like, before the gym, I'll make sure I'm obviously getting what I need in. After the gym, it's straight away to get food, you know, like an hour and a half, two hours later, it's food. It's always kind of, it's like my day obviously revolves around getting food in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, that's like what I said. So, I don't, I don't do anything else. Like as bad as it sounds, I'm not really the most kind of sociable person. So it's a case of like I'll train, and then I'll do like my PT and that, and then I'll eat. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like kind of it'll be that over again and that over again and that over again kind of thing. But like that's the thing. That's what I enjoy to do. So it doesn't feel like oh shit, I've got to do this now. I've got to do that now. I've got to go back here now it's like it just falls into place kind of thing sure sure yeah and i think you know from the outside looking in obviously like we we know you know you you nail pretty much every one of your variables and i think the thing is i think you know for a lot of people they probably compare themselves to you a lot especially a lot of youngsters and they think oh okay now i must be able to you know train train most days and be able to progress and yeah circumstances they perhaps aren't able to do that um and you know especially when they either start getting pretty strong or they're a newer trainee they're potentially not going to be able to get away with what you get away with um and i think it is definitely down to you know how how well structured you are how consistent you are and how potentially how much of a surplus you're eating in as well because yeah you do eat in in quite a significant surplus um and you're a big fan of, or you're, you're very much against the idea of staying lean or going very slowly and gaining phases and things like that, which, you know, indefinitely I kind of agree with. 
Um, but nevertheless, I think I've talked to people about this before. I think there's probably something within your your nervous system that is slightly more well built towards bodybuilding. Um, and I think that's actually a big genetic trait that good bodybuilders have is like a very resilient nervous system. So, you know, like a lot of people will be beaten up after three days of training in a row. And then, you know, you could go on another three, four, five days and still progress, still recover. Um, but nevertheless, the, the point still stands that if you want to improve your recovery and you want to you know, take your physique to the next level, then it really is going to be down to, like you said, the food, the sleep. Uh-huh, uh-huh, so, uh-huh. Like, there's nothing you can really do to tap into your, to, to, well, to basically change or alter your nervous system. You're, you're basically built with, you're built with one. You have one. It's genetically influenced to a degree. Um, but nevertheless, I think moving on to sort of like a little bit on, on your nutrition. So, I know that you obviously like eat eat a lot and you eat in a huge surplus. When you're in the post-show window, do you have any sort of like ways in which you personally like to exit a show, or is your is your goal straight away post-show just to just to gain quite a significant amount of weight and get back to being strong in the gym? Or what's your yeah, it's it's like I don't even know. It's like I don't look at it as right, I need to put on, like, I need to put on a certain amount of weight. I would never have, like, a weight goal. I've never had a weight goal, so obviously I can't say I'm not going to have a weight goal the next time I compete, but, like, the next, the past competitions, my goal's always been just to get the calories back in, like, ASAP, and I don't even mean, like, even last season, the the goal was never to straight away go out and, like, binge straight away. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, like, I finished my season out in Miami, so it was a little bit different. The food was really nice and things. But when I got home, it wasn't as if, right, I need to eat this that I've been craving. I need to eat that I've been craving. I need to, you know what I mean? It was just a case of, right, get the calories back in as soon as possible. And it was like, when I came home from America, I was out and the show was on the Saturday and I wasn't back home till, like, the Wednesday or Thursday. Now, with the food that I ate over there, like, I would have thought that, you know what I mean? Things would have been a little bit different. I would have came home and I would I'd been like put on a lot of weight. But I got home, it was a little bit different. I'd never put on that much weight. So that was again in my mind it was like, right, it's time to obviously I do need to put on now. But at the end of the day like at the end of the day as, as I said, it was a case of get calories in as soon as possible. And then they've like I did go in I went straight into a surplus. I never went straight into like what I'm doing now, but it took maybe I think a couple of weeks post when I got home from America and then two or three weeks later then my calories were straight up straight up straight up and progress in the gym did like to where it's sitting at now because it's at like an all-time high right now it took maybe again two to three weeks before I started noticing like obviously I was noticing like way more energy way more extra reps and that like but now where it's at now I think oh it was like definitely a good two to three weeks maybe even four weeks and then it was like adding on way more reps adding on like you know what I mean there, there was extra biscuits getting added onto the bar like without thought it was just going yeah yeah so yeah it was like and it was again it wasn't as if I was like it wasn't as if like I'm like I, I'm like a firm believer in not losing anything during like a contest prep so that was the case. I never lost anything, but as my strength is like at an all-time high now, I'm now like pushing weights and pulling weights that I wasn't at that time. So at that time, that was like kind of my strength area kind of thing. So when I left my off-season, the weights that I was lifting at the end of my off-season, I was still lifting pretty much at the end of my contest prep. Yeah. I mean, so like until it came to like, say, for instance, depletion days and that, where I was like just fucking death, then... Maybe them kind of days were a little bit different, but obviously that was just on the last week of, um, like, leading up to the show. But I think it took, like, two to three weeks to notice a lot bigger, obviously, weights being shifted. But then again, as I said, like, food-wise, again, it was maybe two weeks until it was at, like, an all-time high. And then it's just a case of keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. But the main goal is always just to get the calories straight back up. I, I don't... It's one of the things, like, I've not really, it's not as if that I've got anything against 
doing things obviously slowly and stuff like that. I know like that might work for other people and they might get lots and lots of benefits out of it, then sure. fair enough, but like I just don't like fucking about and it's just a case of I need to get my food in ass up and I want to get back to normal. I want to get back to what I know that like my body can respond pretty decently to. Yeah. And over like the past contest preps that I've done, at the very end, like obviously two of them have fit, landed in America and one of them I've stopped at the Britain. Yeah. So even like all of them, it's been straight away, get the food in yeah. and keep that up throughout the off season. As I said, I don't do much else. So, and I think, I believe I'm lucky enough to be able to still have the appetite. Like right now, I've still got the appetite as if I came off stage. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm constantly needing food kind of thing. As terrible as it sounds, but yeah, no, I think I think it helps that you do. Or over recent years, you've done back-to-back shows, like what well, back-to-back years of competing. Because I could say the same for like, you know, if you were to give me a six-month phase from or five-six months phase between yeah. off-season and then prep, I think my appetite would be perfect throughout. Yeah. I think yeah. I think when you know you might not find any issue, like for example, Jack. You know, Mr. Thorburn finds no issue with his appetite and he's, yeah. you know, two and a half years into the off-season. But, uh-huh. you know, there's I've had quite a few issues over the last couple of months with appetite being up and down. Like, it's better, it's good now. But it's been there's been some blocks, bigger blocks of time where I've been like, fuck, okay, this is, this is getting a little tough. And I think it's yeah. sometimes it's not the amount of food or the know the requirement of calories it's more so just the time having to spend eating that you know um, yeah uh-huh. six months it's like a couple of years eating in a decent surplus um but um the other question i had about off-season eating is like do you find that your food has to be progressive do you find that you have a point at which okay you've gained a certain amount of weight and then do you have to add in more or do you find that you you know basically bump up your calories post show and you find an amount that you just sort of sit on and you don't really change it what sort of happens with your season food well through like post show that was the case it was like the calories that i was sitting on the amount of food that i was eating i was gaining yeah. but it did get to a certain point i believe i reached 94 I think it was like 94 and a half kilo and I was sitting like oh I must have been sitting on that for like two weeks and that was the reason I left it for like a full week kind of seeing maybe if I would wake up the next day and like everything was stayed the same to see if I would maybe bump up like an extra pound or something but stayed the same the second week again stayed the same and then I literally pushed the calories again so I pushed them up as much as and then within I think it was like a three-day window or something like that there was two pounds added on and I thought well maybe it's just a bit of like fluctuation it might not be anything I might just go back down to 94 and a half but from that time it they stayed and again I became heavier again so it was like I believe I believe yeah I believe if it gets to a point where that happens again I'm not going to wait like two weeks to see if that happens again I'm just going to go straight away and up the calories and that's it yeah and that makes sense for you for sure because you know you're working with fairly short proximities in the off season like you can't afford to waste a week really yeah yeah, you know? yeah. um and you know you make big changes man like you make huge changes in the, in the time that you have um and that just shows what you can do in a relatively relatively short off season i know for some people it is a decent off season but you know in in standard terms in, in natural bodybuilding terms it's relatively short to have time off which is just, you know, the, the six months or five months in between in between years of competition. Um, the other question I had is like when you transition from an off-season diet into a pre-contest diet, I know that to get the amount of food in that you have to eat at the moment, there is a lot of sort of like added extras, so to speak, you know, like boxes of cereal bars, boxes of Blair's bars and things like that. Um, what is your approach when you start a pre-contest diet? Do you immediately go down to just whole foods straight away? Like, so for example, your, you know, your potatoes, your chicken, uh-huh, uh-huh. things like that. Or do you keep some of those things in and, and gradually reduce them? What's your approach? I would, to be honest, I would just get them cut straight away. Like, again, that's, it's, 
a problem that I don't have is like it's fine, fair enough, keeping them in in the off season. But when it comes down to like a contest prep, especially like if food's changed and things like that, which obviously it will, mm. I don't have a like I don't have a problem just being like right, okay, that's it. This is going to be like say friends. This is going to be my last packet of square bars for I don't know numerous amount of weeks, months. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like they're cut and that's it kind of thing. I can see like. I could see it being good, maybe tapering them down a bit and things like that. Obviously, maybe pre-prep, but once prep started, I think that's it. There's like a, a flick of the switch where it's like, right, they aren't going to be in, do you know what I mean? So like, once that date's set, the same friends, I'm going to start prepping, they get cut. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think, yeah. I think that makes sense. I think that when when you transition into something as serious as a contest prep, you almost want the rigidity of the daily foods remaining very similar. Um, I think when you have the, the, the bits added in and then sometimes you have them, sometimes you don't, it can definitely affect your look a little more as well. So, um, and I think, I think like mentally also, like I think sometimes the shit food, or not the shit food, but the, the additional extras make you want more of them um, when you have them in. Um, and I know that we find, like, for us, we, we're sort of like, when it comes to contest prep, it's like an all or nothing kind of approach. So you want to do the approach that kind of makes the most sense in terms of optimality, and that's probably eating, you know, the bro-style foods kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. Um, when it comes to, to contest prep dieting, obviously I know a little bit about how we work together. Um, and I know that it was a little hard towards the end in terms of the calories you had to go down to because of the prep that we had. It wasn't probably the most optimal prep you've ever had for sure. It was a very difficult one. Um, but when it comes to like your most successful prep, which was probably last year, it was probably your best yeah. ever. Um, what did the structure look like in terms of, of food? Um, I know you worked with Vicky and Guy. So what was the, the overall or the overarching structure to your contest prep diet? Um, well, basically, like, it was going, as well, going from my off-season to my contest prep, it was, like, it was a huge jump. Like, I think it was even in the first week of the transition from the foods that I was eating to, obviously, the foods that I went to. Like, again, it, was, it wasn't as if that I had the problem changing or anything like that. It was just getting used to the foods because... It changed up to basically, I was having like, obviously I was still having my oats in, which was like fantastic, but I was switching up from things like rice and stuff like that, carbs or like that, to just basically sweet potato and white potato. Sure. So the white potato I didn't really have a problem with because I know what it's like, but sweet potato, I'd never ate it in my whole entire life. I'd never, <laughs> I'd never even dreamt of eating sweet potato and see getting that introduced for, oh, I don't even know what it would have been, I think, four meals okay. of the day. Um, it was something like that. Um, yeah, that was a big change. That was a big change. Um, and I got, like, obviously the, the, the guys up the road and that told me to invest in an air fryer and things like that. And trust me, like, that was the, the biggest game changer of my whole entire life was the air fryer. But... Yeah, I know. <laughs> that, it took me, I think, two to three weeks off, like, beginning prep to basically start getting used to the kind of the sweet potato taste and that. Sure. But by the end of prep, it was, oh, I could eat it. I could eat it cold and soggy. And it was, <laughs> it was so weird. But, yeah. But even at that, like, sweet potato and white potato and that, they're all kept in throughout my off-season. So I'm not going through a point where... If I'm not eating them, it'll be really hard to get back into eating them. Yeah, sure. You get me? Because I don't want to go through that bit again where, oh, shit, I need to go through this taste again. I need to go, I need to get used to this texture and that. Do you know what I mean? So I've just kept them in. Sure, sure. Definitely. And, and did you work, so when it comes to like the potato and things like that, did you work off just a meal plan? Were you given a meal plan weekly and yeah. changes yeah. were made and things like that? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. It was like, it was like I never... Basically, obviously, it was written down and I just had to eat it and that was it. I just had to get on with it. So it was like, I never questioned anything. It was, I just kind of got on with it because I used to get like lots and lots and lots of questions like through Instagram or 
what's your macros, how many calories are you on, and things like mm-hmm. that. And like it got to a point where it was just like copy and paste answers. I don't have a clue, <laughs> and I'm not going to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think in some circumstances that's good because uh-huh. you are able to really just switch off as an athlete. Um, just do what it says on paper, and rather than heading into a gym session thinking, "Oh, you know, my 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 carbs are this, or my fats are this, or whatever," you're just thinking, yeah, "I'm yeah. following, I'm following a bodybuilding diet, so I'm going to go and train like a bodybuilder." Yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know? um, but I uh, also think yeah. that's what helped me progress as well, like throughout my my contest prep. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so, because that mentality is very different to having a set number of calories, which you know are low, you know, and um, I'm pretty sure your, your calories wouldn't have got anywhere near as low as, as your 20, what was it? 2018? Yeah. 2018 prep. Yeah. I'm sure they wouldn't have got anywhere near that low, maybe like on depletion, but, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. but besides that, they wouldn't have done. Um, but yeah, did you have any um, uh, high days or refeeds <laughs> in your contest prep or was it just straight linear macros the whole time or linear? Yeah, nearer the nearer the end, it okay. was like high days and low days and moderate days and that. So the the high days started becoming like a treat, and yeah. then they would hit me, and it would be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and even though there was maybe only like ten grams dropped in like my oats, sure. the ten grams were like, Oh, it was crazy. I remember there was a time where the, it was leading up to the end, and I do believe it was obviously the high days and the low days. Or it was, to be honest, it was too. It was depending on what I was training. So obviously, well, like sense. your bigger days and that, like, but there was the days that there was like the slightest of drop in like my oats. I felt like when I was pouring the oats into the bowl that was on my low days, I was like, I might as well just put my hand in or just tip the bowl up into my mouth. Do you know what I mean? I might as well just not waste my time cooking it. Yeah. <laughs> but then on like a high day, on a high day, it was like, whoa, this is like a treat. Yeah. So, but no, it was, it was special. <laughs> so, um, final thing, and I know that, I know that you can't share a huge amount of like detail and things like that because I know Vicky and Guy are very sort of, well they want to keep their own practices to their clients and things like that so uh-huh. to, you know share a load of things but yeah. what, what was in in sort of like the the best way you can describe it as an overall sort of view what was um your peaking approaches like did you run the same peaks in terms of the <coughs> general approach for both your your qualifier and the final or did you try some different things what was sort of the general approach to those weeks Nah, they were pretty much the same. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. From, yeah, from what I can remember, they were <clears throat> pretty much the same. Sure. There was there was nothing really different. Obviously, I'd done the Manchester show and like the that would have been the Northern show. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'd done that one, and within like the the three weeks, I think it was three or four weeks till the finals. Really, I needed that time as well, so it wasn't that definitely. More. It wasn't as if really anything needed to change. I just like towards the Britain, I needed that extra three weeks of dieting anyway. So, along with we did peak for the Manchester show, and then at the same again, I needed like that extra three weeks. So, it was straight back on, and then it became obviously the Britain and the, the, the protocols were basically they were pretty similar. Yes, yeah, sure. So Another one, actually. How did you how did you manage the whole situation with obviously Kudos being a part of Vicky and Guy's team, and obviously you you guys being very very you know close knit with the BNBF, uh-huh. um, both going to the posing clubs, both supporting their federation very very well. Um, how did you you handle that that rivalry? You know, did you just view it as okay, cool? We're you know just both going to try and be our best and see what happens, or did you have those days where you were thinking about how he was looking, or you know, well, what was see, to be honest, like, see to be honest, there was it was weird because the posing clubs that he was at, uh, it was weird the way it felt. The posing clubs he was at, I was never at. The posing clubs I was at, he was never at. <laughs> So, I did see pictures of him. I did see pictures of him, like, I don't know, maybe 
six weeks out or something like that. Sure. But like they weren't like the best angles kind of thing, so I never actually knew what it was. But that was one of the things that I learned from like my 2018 prep and 2017 as well was just like don't worry about anybody else kind of thing. And it was like I was that was one of the 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 biggest things that is you obviously you know Dave K was it was leading up to the Manchester show and it was like it was something that like he got he drilled into my head was don't worry like about anybody else let them worry about you mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah. and something just changed and it was like as you know you know how easy it is to look on Instagram look for your opponents and or like your competitors your fellow competitors and see how they're looking and instantly shit yourself because they found some sick lighting in a gym and they put a picture up looking shredded and huge you know what I mean it's things like that but I never actually seen Q until the Manchester show when he was doing some of the awards and obviously even at that I never obviously got to see what he was looking like but it was not until the Britain that I kind of actually seen him like in the flesh and then that was really it but again it was probably a bit too late to be like oh shit do you know what I mean so yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I massively agree with you, mate. You know, not like Dave's advice is obviously golden. And the fact that, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people, mate, even before they start competing, like even before yeah. they do a prep, they don't deem themselves as worthy for a prep because their <laughs> comparisons are just horrible. Like they're just beating <laughs> themselves up and they're like, oh, I can't beat that. I can't beat this. I'm like, mate, you don't even know what you look like shredded. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, you, you know, it, it does show in your mindset, mate, you know, and when, when you know, you're training and even when you're on stage, you can tell that, you know, you're very focused on you. Um, and and that, that's the only thing that's sort of concerning you, which is, which is you know, very admirable, um, especially at your age, because like a, lot of, a lot of youngsters will worry and will think. And I think actually probably in my 2017 prep, there was there was two or three times where I'd look at photos of someone else and I'd like message my mate and say, "What do you think of them? What do you think of them?" And it just uh-huh. it just really riles your own head. Um, in some circumstances, I think maybe it could make you like maybe you could see it and you could be like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna work harder. Um, I've got to work harder." But when you're already working at max capacity, sometimes that puts you in a bad position because you you work harder and and you diet off muscle and you look yeah, shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah i think sticking to the plan and not worrying about other people is key so mm-hmm. uh, great definitely definitely um, in terms of i'm sure this will come up on the questions that i haven't even uh-huh. read yet uh-huh. <laughs> um uh-huh. but um i want to know what what the goal is obviously for this year i'm imagining you know you're getting back on stage yeah. Um, I know that in in my mind, I, I guess there's something you're still, you know, very much coming for that you haven't quite got yet. Um, and you've come so close, like so many fucking times. Um, so, it, you know, it is, it is the plan this year to get back on stage. Um, and, and what would you say is, is your num- number one goal of, of this year? Um, the, the British title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. And does, do you want that good? You want that Sorry? to correlate in you going to the worlds again and potentially, uh-huh. you know, vying for, you know, like a world title and perhaps doing the open class as well? Because I know that the juniors sometimes doesn't get very well populated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So, but it's a, it's a case of like, obviously last year was my closest because there was only a point in it. And it was weird because obviously after, the British finals there was like lots going on over social media and stuff like that I was getting loads of messages that I probably didn't want to get and yeah it was it was like obviously it gave me a lot of time to sit and think right you know maybe that should have happened maybe that shouldn't have happened but it was just one of the things I had to deal with and then I went out to the world and obviously it was it was good but no it's last year was my third year and it was my third runner-up spot in the British finals, so it's I'm I'm glad it's not told me that right that you know you've came second three years in a row you're not going to come first do you know what I mean I'm coming in I'm going to come in this year and it's like 
I'm not going to come in and wear any different attitude. It's just going to be the exact same. And I know what I want. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think I think you've got a very, very good chance, mate. Um, are you working with Vicky and Guy again out of interest? Yeah. Yeah, good. I think that'll be great because obviously they've had a year with you now. They know your body and it can only go better than it did last time. Um, so I think that will that will be the, the recipe for success, man. I'm looking forward to seeing it because I'm I'm sure that you've I'm sure that you've improved in this in this off season, the small off season, and taking that into you know a, 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 an even better prep than last time will definitely have you with more tissue. Um, have you? Do you know whether you've got to buy to the British finals? Do you go straight to the British finals having win, winning the world? I believe I believe so with the um yeah, with the worlds, obviously with the junior class anyway, um it would be different, obviously, say friends like when I went out as a teen and then I took the teen world title. So basically that would have gave me a buy to the Britain as a teen, but then because the year later, with the way that my birthday fell, I was having to do another like with the way that my birthday fell, I couldn't compete as a teen again. Yeah, due to the finals and that, so I was going into the junior class, which meant I had to do a junior qualifier first. Sure. So I'll, I'll have to, I'll, I'll need to clarify it with Vicky, but I believe that's the way that it falls. But like as I said, I'll have to just check about that. But that'd be good though. That'd be good if that'd be good if you did, wouldn't it? Because then you yeah. could ultimately just make one show your best show, but. Then again, sometimes doing the qualifier can can help. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Like obviously, you know, my plans this year were to obviously compete in the UK FBA, and um, with that, I think there was the potential that I could have the bye to the finals mm-hmm. because I was a previous uh, British and world champion. Yeah. Um, and I did discuss it with them and and say, you know, what what is the situation? But I I didn't even want it anyway um, because. I wanted to do a qualifier, I think, as a, because I'm moving up a category. So yeah. if I did get the opportunity, then I'd want to do a qualifier anyway, just to see where I stand. Because ultimately, like I, I've done it once in the open class when I've crossed oh. up, um, but I haven't done it like properly with it being the main goal. So I need to see where I stand for sure. Um, but I think for you, having done you know so many shows, things like that, could potentially be better to just do the finals. Um, but anyway. Let's move on to some of these questions cool. and uh, we'll see where it takes us. So do, 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 do. let's go for what do you do for traps other than your crazy deadlifts? What's your favorite? Trap <laughs> <you>? <laughs> it's like, <clears throat> this is the thing. I'll train traps whenever I remember to train traps. Okay. But like, <laughs> it's not a, it's not a, a huge thing. Like I don't ever feel I'll include traps and in like, my shoulder or back sessions, but like lately I've been including shoulders, like I've just been including traps in my shoulder sessions. Okay. And then I like to kind of rotate between doing that and training rear delts in my back sessions. But then again, like I could do that for numerous amount of sessions, then just change it up and come in one night and do shoulders and train rear delts with shoulders and then do, if I remember, traps with back. But I do strongly believe that from like the, the heavy deadlifts, heavy bent over rows, you know what I mean? Things like that have helped improve and like helped the growth of like my traps. But again, they've just, it's like they've always been there. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, they've grew since like I was a teen, but when I was a teen, it was always like, that was always going to be the most muscular pose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you might just have very, good genetically good traps you know um and it's rare it's like it's quite rare on a natural to see especially a junior natural like to see big traps like it's probably like the weakest body part on a lot of people um i know for me like there's no no chance in fucking hell that i'm hitting crab most muscular because it just looks shit so there's no there's few people that can hit that pose and like really really put that put it off um and it is one of your strongest poses so yeah, interesting. Um, but uh, I do agree, like with that in terms of deadlifts. I after a deadlift day or even a fucking squat day, I feel like my traps yeah. uh-huh. um, just from the stability aspect and just like holding that amount of weight. 
you're basically doing like an isometric with whatever how many kilos you're using on a deadlift <laughs> your traps and your upper back so um yeah cool yeah. um a guy called sheepy boy asks what's your reason behind the reluctance to use science-based training methods and nutrition programs <laughs> <laughs> bit of a, a bit of a harsh question because I'm sure you don't aren't, aren't completely reluctant. But anyway, go ahead. So, like, is he meaning like what? Is he basically asking why I don't do like a kind of push pull leg split or something like that? Or like, I think, I think what he's asking is like you know, so the the research will suggest that like if you look purely at the research, you'll probably see that volume spread across the course of the week in multiple uh -huh. sessions like uh -huh. lower splits or push pulls is potentially more favorable for hypertrophy so right. uh -huh. Uh -huh. got you got you got you got you got you see to be honest i just believe it's like um <clears throat> i've never believed that there's been a a specific best training program for somebody like fair enough <coughs> frequency is like a big Frequency has got to play a big part in it, fair enough. But yeah. at the end of the day, if you're willing to go in and like properly work, it's it's really rare to see somebody properly work. And I don't mean like work for like a month kind of thing and then take it easy for like, not even take it easy, but drop the intensity that you've just kept up for a month. Like keep that fucking intensity up for a year keep it up for two years keep it up for three years that probably at the end of the day your body's going to be beat up to hell but <clears throat> fuck think of the results yeah yeah so it's <clears throat> like <clears throat> i do the 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 famous you know the, the bro split what everybody wants to call it or a bodybuilding split but it's like the way i look at it is this say i'm going in to do chest like i'm going in to do chest that is my only I, that's my only focus. I'm going in. I'm going to like absolutely hammer the life out of it. And it's like it's a case of coming home. Like, and you could move the slightest away. It's just constant like cramp kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? And that's like it's like that little bit of satisfaction because you know you've you've done some. You know you've done damage kind of thing. And the way I look at it as well is like my chest not getting hit for like another four or five days. Yeah. So once it comes to like everything's been hit and then it starts again like. I am still getting a decent bit of frequency in, but at the end of the day, like I don't believe it's down to like the constant like training over and over and over again. I believe it's like the work that I do whenever I go into the gym. Do you know what I mean? Like my I'm focused a hundred percent whenever I go in. Like it's go in, get the work done, get out. But when I'm in and the work that's being done, it's like I don't know. Like it's it's just again, it's I don't believe in going in like fucking about kind of thing i like to go in and know what i'm like know why i'm in there kind of thing so it's like i i, I do i genuinely believe it's down to work ethic like it, you could do a bro split and get no results but you could also do a, a push pull legs or an upper lower split and get no results do you know what i mean so in reality like both any training split you're gonna need to put like you're going to need to put hours in, you're going to need to put the time in and like, you're properly going to need to put the graphs in like constantly. You know what I mean? So yeah, I agree. It's like, it's not what you do. It's how you do it. Uh -huh. um, yeah. So yeah, I agree with you on that front, man. Um, Niall asks plans for the future and do you see yourself going down the PED route? So performance enhancing drug route. Um, like, obviously my plans for the future is I'll be totally open about it. Like, I want to reach Olympia stage. But, again, like, right now, the way I look at it is, is I don't see myself failing as a natural. Yeah. So, with that, like, I believe if it was a little bit different and maybe I was, like, if I was competing and coming, like, fifth, sixth place every single time. <clears throat> and there was obviously lots of different like variables outside of competing as well like my off season maybe wasn't going as well or I maybe wasn't lifting the weight that I lift then to be honest you'd probably like anybody would think about it a lot earlier but like the way I kind of look at it is now is I just I don't think it's like time for anything like that just yet and like people will come back and say like oh well you're wasting time do you know what I mean but then another way that I look at it is I'm 
only 21 and I don't see myself being a really shit natural bodybuilder kind of thing. So it's like, it's one of the questions that I do get asked quite a lot, but again, it's the same answer. Unless I wake up one day and, you know what I mean, it's, things have changed, but I, I, I can't really see that happening to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I agree, mate. There's, I don't think there's any reason for you to to change the route you're on right now just yet. Um, you have probably a lot more potential to grow as a natural right now, and then you can take a route when it comes to it to get to where you want to be. Um, so yeah, I agree with that massively. Um, do, 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 do. So someone asks uh, how how to bring up lats. Um, he says that he has a good mind-muscle connection, but his barbell row is weak and he uses strict form. What's your advice to bring up the lats? He uses strict form? He uses strict form on the barbell row and he says it's weak, but he has good mind-muscle connection and his lats. That'll be the, that'll be the reason it's weak. Yeah. <laughs> because the form will be too strict. Yeah, that's that. one of the things. Like back, obviously, back heat, like as well, lats for instance, say saying lats, right? In reality, unless you're doing like a front lat spread, that's the only time you can see your lats. But fair enough, you're contracting if you can pose. But when you're training, you, everybody knows you can't see your back. Yeah. So fair enough, your mind to muscle connection is good. But are you hitting your back from all angles? Are you hitting your lat from all angles? Uh, personally, like everybody that knows me knows, like my form is, I would never say my form is shit, but my form is not strict. And I believe that that's how my physique has reached where it's reached today because of like that kind of way. So like obviously nearer the end of my set, my form's going to start slacking, but it's it's going to help me progress in the way that I want to progress kind of thing. I believe that if I kept my form really, 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 really strict and never reached the weights that I've reached today, I would be like probably a uh, hundred and hundred and fifty kilo down in in weights that I've been left in hundred and ten percent if I was gonna clean up the the full set for, you know, uh, ten to fifteen reps kind of thing. Yeah. I would probably be barbell rowing like I don't know, a hundred kilo or something like that if I was gonna keep yeah. it like that. Um and it's the same way absolutely everything, but to be honest I think you need to <clears throat> People over obsess about the perfect form too much, and that's why, like, you'll see people like a year ago, and then you'll see people a year further down the line, and nothing will have changed. And they're probably the ones on Instagram bitching that they've got shitty genetics. Do you know what I mean? And it's unfortunately it's the harsh truth. But if you would just kind of go in and maybe not focus too much on that strict 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 form like fair enough keep your form good at the start of your set but understand that once you get to maybe eight nine reps it's maybe not going to be as perfect as the first rep but if you're still moving that weight really good then i mean i don't see why there can't be any improvements made but at the same time then it comes to outside the gym are you eating enough to grow are you eating enough to put on it's there's loads of different things but Everybody that knows me is like, oh, his form's fucking shit. He's not going to grow off that form. <laughs> but who knows? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it works, man. I think you're very right in saying that, especially on things like rows, there's, there's like a balance between, you know, excessive momentum and, and form going out the window versus a little bit of momentum to actually basically get, get more reps with handling that load and yeah. still being able to get, you know, your elbows finishing the right position uh-huh. being able to get a good stretch. Um, but using a little bit of like your, you know, your hip musculature and perhaps your erectors and things like that to just get it from A to B. Okay. You know, you see some of the best backs in the world. do that. Uh-huh. So, you know, I don't, there's not many backs in the world that do strict pendlay rows with, yeah. kilos, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you on that front, man. Um, another sort of controversial question Will asks, do you think that extremely heavy pulling can ruin longevity in bodybuilding? Uh, like, I, it's a, that's just like, that's a hard one because. 
Like, are you going to lift light and have in your head that, right, I'm not going to make the best improvements that I could make, but 15 years down the line, I'm going to still be healthy? You know what I mean? This is the worst thing ever because nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Nobody knows what's going to happen next week. Yeah. So utilise this time right now and just do everything heavy. You know what I mean? Make the most out. If you're going down the bodybuilding route and you're wanting to be competitive, you want to go on stage with a physique, you don't want to go on stage. Like, <clears throat> it's bodybuilding. It's like, it's another thing as well. Like, I would always want to go on stage looking muscular. If I wasn't going to look muscular, I probably wouldn't go on stage kind of thing. And to me, going on stage looking muscular is like there's more chance of you being looking like a bodybuilder kind of thing. You know what I mean? People like the idea of competing, but they don't like the idea of growing. And again, don't like the idea of the kind of the heavyweight scenario and stuff like that. But I mean, fine, fair enough. If if you are lucky enough and you're going to live another 50 years, then just deal with the consequences. But if it's, if it, if you're true to yourself and that's really what you want, then yeah go for it but like I mean I know myself like I don't live it as if like I'm going to see another daft amount of years because the amount of rubbish that goes on these days you don't actually you don't know what's really around the corner so I would always like utilise my time to the absolute most hence why that's why I believe that I put so much into whatever I do yeah, it's just the case of you know you want to, and as terrible as it sounds, you want to end on a good note. Do you know what I mean? You don't want to end on like oh shit, I could have, you know, I, I could have, don't know, stacked that pull down machine the other day, but I kept it on like plate two because I'm thinking twenty years time I still want to, you know, we'll be, be good and healthy, and you know, it's it. I mean, every everybody's different, of course, but. It's it's really just the way that it's like it's up here. Um, I don't know. That's really how it is. But yeah, yeah. No, I, again, agree with you, dude. I think that when we're looking at like the long term effects of bodybuilding, we know that you know we're probably not going to be super duper healthy at thirty five, forty by lifting these poundages, mm-hmm. and um, even something that. Um, the giant said on one of the UK pro muscle podcasts, he said that, you know, like he just accepts that every day is going to be in some sort of pain. Um, and <laughs> yeah. He realizes that that's part and parcel of, of bodybuilding mm-hmm. and that bodybuilding is like, it's got a, you know, it's got a sell by date. At some point you're going to not probably bodybuild anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, whilst you bodybuild, it's probably, you know, for us at least we want to make the most of it and like enjoy it the way we want to enjoy it so definitely I don't think you need to think about too much in the future um, <laughs> like if you're constantly getting really fucked up by your heavy pulling and you like really injured <laughs> then it's probably not just the heavy pulling it's just you know, yeah there'll the be there's got, uh-huh, there's got to be something else down to that yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. um charlie asks could you still train without the heavy music and the drops? <laughs> if that was if that was the case, I'd be training to something like Radio One, and I would probably look like I don't know a Radio One producer and not a bodybuilder. <laughs> like the answer is no, <laughs> no chance, no chance. Yeah, I think no it, it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? It makes a huge definitely hundred percent. Hundred yeah. percent. It's like the, especially the ones that you know, like everybody's always got, us like something that you can listen to for a top end set. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes it's maybe not the nicest stuff or music and that, and but it's sometimes that's like, say the 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 drops like one minute thirty in or something. You're always gonna wait to that one minute thirty before you lift that weight. It's, no, it's so yeah. The answer is no. No chance. <laughs> Um, Robert asks, uh, you know, Robert, he's like UKDFBA team British champion. Um, uh, yeah. He asks, will you ever take a season off or do you plan on competing every year for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I would look at it as competing. Yeah, um, like 
continue competing most seasons, definitely, definitely. It would have to say, it would have to come to a point where I knew that I needed to really take like one or two years off. Mm. Um, but no, I think it's going to be a a seasonal thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So is this year your last year as a junior? Yeah, yeah. Because like with the way that my birthday falls on that next year, is I missed the cut off date. So okay. this will be my last competitive season as yeah junior. Okay, yeah. Well, that that makes sense. I think you know perhaps after that you might have to take one year off, but you know you're you're pretty you've already won an overall, so you're pretty damn close to the level of musculature you'd have to have as an open. But what route you take? Um, but anyway, mate, I think that's pretty much most of the good questions. I'm pretty sure we've just come up just over an hour anyway, so. For the rest of your day but thank you very much for obviously coming on mate really appreciate thank it you for, um, for any of the listeners that basically want to know more about you um and give you a follow like where are you most active online um, instagram based instagram like 24 hours of the day it's like the the main thing it's just at kefi west underscore so it's pretty easy enough um yeah most of my stuff's on there i do like a little bit of youtube here and there and stuff like that but the most of the time it's it's the old Instagram. Good, good. Definitely. Awesome. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. It's been cool. very insightful as always. And I, I wish you wish you the best of luck this year. I'm sure we'll chat amongst the season and bump into each other. But uh, Definitely. Yeah. You too, you're competing as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be um it's gonna be cool, man. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of people competing that I can't wait yeah. to see on stage. So um going to be good it's going to be good so yes we'll wrap it up here guys thanks for listening and we will chat in the next episode see you in a bit